The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of It's a Wonderful Life, where we will discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings of this classic Christmas movie. And joining me today on the panel are Mike Denz. Hey, Mike. Hey, Dom. And Shelly Kelly. Hey, Shelly. Howdy. Uh, folks, remember to like The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows We're on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media. You can retweet us at Twitter at sqpn.com. We're on Instagram at StarQuest Network. And leave us comments wherever you find us. We love to hear from you. I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you are sure to enjoy, The Secrets of Doctor Who. You can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash Doctor Who. So, yes, we are talking about this classic 1946 movie by Frank Capra starring uh, Jimmy Stewart and um, Donna Reed. Sorry, I just escaped you for a second. I know I knew it. Uh, this classic movie, which has been which has aired every year uh, for the past 70 years or so. And uh, but in case you haven't caught one of those airings, you can uh, let me give you a quick recap of what happens in this movie. George Bailey wishes he'd never been born because of how often bad things have come up in his life, how often his big plans are thwarted and how evil seems to prosper while a good man struggles. A guardian angel sent from heaven prevents his suicide to show him how much worse the world would be and how much worse off his loved ones would be if he'd never been born, giving George a new appreciation for his life as broken and messy as it can be. The end. So, yeah, uh, we were just you know, chatting before we started. You know, when did we first see it? I have no idea when I first saw this. I was I was pretty young. Mike, you said you were a little older when you first saw it. Yeah, I remember I went to Steubenville uh, in the late 90s, and I remember references to it being made by friends. And I'm like, I still haven't seen that. And <laughs> I was in Steubenville when I was like, uh, you know, 25, 26, 27. So. Yeah, so it must have been sometime, you know, after that, that I'm yeah. like, I got to watch this. I, all I knew is that there were people saying a, a, a New Year's Eve song around a Christmas tree at the end, and everyone was really happy and crying, and I didn't know why. <laughs> I, I remember my time in Steubenville being exposed to classic movies that I'd never seen before. I think for me, it was The Quiet Man, but uh, yeah, so it's so, some experience. Uh, how about you, Shelley? I can't remember the first time I saw this movie. Yeah. I imagine that, like you, I must have seen it in the on the TV every Christmas season. Yes, um, when it you know because it, it came back out on television in what the nineteen seventies and early eighties and and plays every year, usually right. on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. I think it's a Christmas Day movie actually, but yeah, to look it up. Well, with cable now, it plays like every day. Yes, exactly. <laughs> during the during December, NBC had the rights to it forever and pl would only play it once every Christmas season. I remember mm -hmm. that. And it, as I recall, it was Christmas Eve, the evening of Christmas Eve, because we'd watch it uh, before midnight mass, that sort of thing. So, um, if I recall correctly, 
But um, Ben then had the the awful colorized version for a while when that was the which thing. Which we aren't going to talk about. We, yes, that will, we've mentioned it. <laughs> the version which we will not speak of. <laughs> we shall not speak of it. Uh, this is a black and white movie and was made as a black and white movie. And that's artistically significant. And we'll just say that there. Uh, it, it's, it came out in 1946. It's set in 1945. So just, you know, it's contemporary in the fictional town of Bedford Falls, New York. Um, apparently, Saratoga Springs, New York, <coughs> claims uh, to be the inspiration for Bedford Falls, uh, although official historians reject that claim. But, you know, doesn't stop them from using it for tourism purposes and whatnot. So we'll, we'll let them have it. This is a very, in, in a sense, it's kind of funny that it's a Christmas movie because it's about suicide. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of weird. It's not really about suicide, though. Well, it's not about suicide, but there's a suicide attempt at the heart of this movie. I mean, that's kind of kind of dark in one sense. It, but it's but it's it's a hopeful movie. Be on the other end of it and that's what the i think it's one of the things that makes it such a great movie is despite having this dark thing it's actually a very ha uh, happy hopeful thing uh overall uh, am i wrong yeah. or would you take a different tack on that well i would say that okay so it was based on a short story written in 1939 which i've not read and i've not seen so i don't know how much it was changed between this short story that was 21 pages that was distributed through a Christmas card in 1943 and the final product, which was rewritten in parts by Frank Capra for the movie and for the actors. But if you think about when they're filming this in 45 and how the world has just come off of the greatest world war and genocide and everything. And, and you get that sense of, there could be a lot of despair in the world, even though they've they've just won this war um, and that there's hope, you know, and that that there there is this every life matters and everybody matters. And you don't know how who, who you did touch throughout your life. Um, and, and so I, I don't see it so much as the message of of or the, the part of suicide being part of this movie as it is. Don't despair. Don't give up. And look at how you might impact people. Mm. How about you, uh, Mike? I was going to call you Frank, but Mike. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not Frank Capra. I, I just watched the movie. Uh, I, I I lost the question. I, I, oh. I, I was looking at things and I forgot the question you asked Shelley. The 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 idea that suicide is a, is sort of oh, a central right. point to this. Um, it it is the 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 value of life. This is a pro-life movie. Yes. And it's, that's what's so funny about like Hollywood just loving it so much. It's like, you silly guys, you just don't know what you're watching. <laughs> this is a movie that's like literally could be like broadcast in the um, pregnancy centers that are set themselves up across from Planned Parenthood and saying, it's a wonderful life. Don't distinguish it at its beginning, you know, um, because this is about a man who wished he had never been born and look what he did. I mean, and he, he wasn't president. He didn't, you know, he didn't even go to the war. Right. He stayed home. I mean, it wasn't like, but so he could look back and say, you know, what have I ever done? I've never gotten out of this stinking town. Um, and as we, you know, the whole movie is all about, look what you did and right. look what you did to help those who did do other great things. Um, so it's, it's um, a stark contrast to the value of life and the evil of death. Um, you know, so it, it, you know, right down to like, you know, the uh, almost a, a mirroring of, 
a Christmas carol when they go to the cemetery and see his brother's grave because he was he, he drowned as a boy, right? You know, and they and the snow falling on it and everything. It's just, um, yeah. So I mean, it's not all you know. It's not like you know you're going through this and it's like this is a suicide movie. No, but <laughs> right, it is. It is the the crux of it all is life is is precious. Every it's life wonderful. Yes, you know, you know, and that was Frank Capra's intent. Frank Capra, I should point out, it was Catholic, uh, and his Catholic faith played a part in a lot of his movies that he made. Uh, in fact, if you want to hear more about Frank Capra himself, I want to recommend to you an episode of uh, a podcast by some friends of ours, American Catholic History by Tom and Noel Crow. Uh, episode 127 of their podcast, they discuss Frank Capra and his movie making career and how much of a Catholic he was. So I definitely want to check, uh, mention that. And one of the reasons I bring that up is there's a really cool aspect to this movie, which is in addition to, you know, the the internal conflict of George Bailey, we see things like intercessory prayer works like the movie opens with people. We're hearing people praying for George Bailey, you know, who at this moment is going through this personal existential crisis at this moment. And we hear his children, his friends, his wife, his people he works with the pe people who he's helped all praying for him. And, and that causes something to happen in heaven. And I really love that idea that we've seen, we see this uh, depiction on film of how intercessory prayer works. Uh, it's really fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, you know, should I pray for daddy? Yes. Pray very hard, honey. You know, we all need to pray for him. And then uh, we get this uh, interesting little hierarchy in heaven where joseph yep. we presume that's like saint joseph right uh is um kind of in, uh uh he, he, there's two main guys i forget what I, I, one is an angel and then there's saint joseph and then they gotta like call call clarence right um and i think uh, yeah joseph is like the lesser one to the bigger like, bigger guy and joseph is kind of uh isn't he a little bit more sarah you know um not real confident in Clarence. In Clarence oh my right. gosh, he's just like, <laughs> I'll help you see you don't have your wings yet. You know that that guy. Um, and and of course the the catech catechist in me is uh, this is the source of no, we don't become angels when right. we die and get wings. Yes, um, it's a wonderful movie uh, and it's a wonderful life, but it's not wonderfully catechetically correct. Um, so. But I love that they send Clarence. They call him the clockmaker and that he's simple. He has the simple faith of a child. Oh, it's wonderful. It's really not he's important him. that he's an angel or a guy that died in whatever, right. however old he says he is that freaks out the, the lighthouse guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the point is, is um, that, you know, you, somebody is that's so simple that with the help of God can do what he did he is the mind of a rabbit and the faith of a child. <laughs> 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 And I love how when they tell him that, that someone needs your help, oh, is he sick? No, worse. He's discouraged. Right. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, that's, you know, that's awesome. And he's thinking of throwing away God's greatest gift. And George, and Clarence is like, oh, his life. Sickness can only kill your body, but despair can kill your soul. And that's mm -hmm. the greater the greater problem, the greater uh, issue here. Um, and right, Mike, you, you are right that angels are not dead humans mm -hmm. who earn their wings. Uh, they're beings of pure spirit who exist in their own right. So we, that we do need to clear that up. Yes. And I feel So he's talking to Joseph. They don't say St. Joseph, but so he's talking to Joseph. So we presume maybe St. Joseph and someone else. They don't ever say it could be Peter. Could be God. Yeah. Um, so, so 
they, yeah. they get in. When I watch it on my uh, Amazon Prime account, uh, it gives me the credits and it says Franklin. I don't Franklin. know why it says Franklin. <laughs> if you like put the, the subtitles up, does it say this is Franklin speaking or is it actually the credits? On the sidebar when it, when you see all the little extras, oh, right. it right. says Franklin. Franklin. Well, that's I don't know where they get it. <laughs> yeah, Unless it's an, a wink, wink, nod, nod to Frank Capra. Oh, probably. I'm looking on... Um, on the Wikipedia listing, and it doesn't say it doesn't give any names for for those. I'm trying to see here. Um, boy, Angel Joseph, Senior Angel is what it puts there. Who, by the way, the actor who does the Senior Angel, ironically, his name is Maroni Olson. <laughs> Maroni is the name of the uh, Mormon angel who who Joseph Smith said gave him the tablet. So just think that, that was uh, that's a bit ironic. So Clarence, before he can go help George, has to find out who he is, learn who he is. And so they show him George's life, you know, scenes from his life. And so we start in 1919 when George was 12, which means, by the way, that George was 38 in 1945, um, which makes me feel quite old. <laughs> he seemed like such a like a, a grown up when I was a kid watching this. And so now I'm like, he's 30 years a kid. But yeah, yeah. So and th this is the scene where he saves his brother from drowning. So the first that's the first thing he does. He also saves Mr. Gower from killing a child through negligence. Mr. Gower was, you know, grieving his son's death from the influenza flu and had drank too much and accidentally given poison instead of medicine for George to deliver from the pharmacy. Um, both of those things, by the way, both of those events of. Uh, Saving his brother and saving Mr. Gower cost George dearly. Um, in one instance, a, a, his hearing in one ear, and in the other instance, a beating. And I, I think it's very interesting to, to, that it shows, the story shows us that jo George's positive effect costs him. Like the things he does costs and everything has a cost. Uh, and I, I, I find that fascinating because that's going to be a theme throughout this story that like the the altruism of George, the good things he does in life, all have come at a personal cost, and I think it's true that that very often our altruism comes at a personal cost. Yeah, I noticed also. I wrote in my notes: George always does the right thing, even when it's hard, even when it costs. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And it's interesting also to me that um, the boy that Mister Gower was making the medicine for had the diphtheria, and that's a disease we're not familiar with today. Because we all receive our TDAP shots when we're born. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what diphtheria is. Yeah. Uh, well, that's it sound interesting. Good. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, it, it is interesting, you know, the because the, it's of its time. We have the influenza epidemic and that sort of thing of the, you know, in 1919 that was still, you know, petering out at that point or getting lesser. Um, and, you know, in this uh, time period right here, we also meet. Mr. Potter and George's father yes. for the first time. He runs in on his father and, and uh, listens to Potter basically putting him down. And he says, don't let him speak to you. He's the, he tells his dad, you're the biggest man in this town. Right. Right. And he pushes Mr. Gower. <laughs> He's like, who are you? And he, yeah. And we're introduced to all the people that will later be grown up. Uh, we, we, we meet, you know, hee haw, Sam Wainwright, you know, when they're, when they're going down and sledding and stuff and they, and they uh, drop him off at uh, he's a soda jerk. 
Um, and it's kind of fun for me because my, my dad was a soda jerk. My dad was born in 31. Uh, so not, he's still, uh, not as old as, um, uh, George, James Stewart yeah, yeah. or, you know, born in that, but he was a soda jerk. And so he's in there and then we get, uh, Violet and, uh, Mary yep. introduced and the, their personalities, you're like, <laughs> You like all boys. What's wrong with that? Um, you <laughs> know, so just <laughs> it's one of my favorite lines ever. You, you like know. every boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, help you down. <laughs> you know? And you don't like coconuts. What's wrong with you, brainless? Yes. You know, this is the Fiji Islands. I'm a member of the, you know, I'm a, I'm a member of the National Geographic Society, Geographic Society. <laughs> yeah. and all that stuff that's going on. So you get introduced to all these people. Um, and then later, you know, he, uh, he appears and he's saying how big he wants something. Um, and they freeze the shot, you know, on him, right. uh, when Be- Clarence is getting introduced to the older George. Before we get to that, like, uh, you know, uh, I do like when Mary, like, just uh, George, is this your bad ear that you can't hear out of? And then George Bailey, I'll love you to the day I did. <laughs> like right from, it's almost like faded that he was, you know, this, his life had this destiny to it, this sense of these things were going to happen for, you know, for him throughout his life and the people in his life that he was going to have. Um, I do like that when he has a problem, he knows that Mr. Garo put poison in the pills. He goes to his dad. Who do you go to? There's a sign, you know, got a problem? Ask dad, you know, the sign (laughs) in the pharmacy. So he goes to his, his dad. And even now it's, Potter versus the Bailey savings and loan. You know, that's even before Potter is owns everything. He's still, you know, the man against the savings and loan. So I do like that. And we have this and then we we get introduced to this concept here in that scene between Bailey and, uh, you know, Mr. Bailey Sr. and Potter, the heartless capitalism versus compassionate business. You know, that idea of the savings and loans about compassion, like helping people. You know, we're in business to do a good thing, whereas Potter is is like Scrooge in A Christmas Carol. You know, are there no poor houses for them to go live in? You know, uh, so mm-hmm. I like that. that. It's funny you say that because Potter is played by Lionel Barrymore. And guess how he got this role? Because, because he, was- he played Scrooge in A Christmas Carol on the radio annually for 20 years between 1934 and 1953. And him being the voice of Scrooge on the radio is what got him this job as Mr. Potter and it's a wonderful life. You know, the, the idea that having him, um, you know, would be instantly recognizable to the audiences. Like they would all immediately, even if they don't recognize him, have a visceral reaction against him. <laughs> so I, yeah. I like that idea. That's, that's good. Yeah, even yeah, the voice. Yeah, like, like, uh, yeah. Lucas's casting of, uh, um, what's his name as uh, Governor Tarkin? Oh, uh, Cushing, Peter Cushing. Yeah, Peter mm-hmm. Cushing, because he was in you know horror films and stuff like that, so he, it would work out that way and right and, and different things. And um, Barrymore, I always thought he must have been the grandfather, but he's actually the great uncle of Drew Barrymore, the yes. family of actors and uh, actresses. Right, yeah, and I I love the way that he's in the wheelchair, and I looked that up. Why is he in a wheelchair? But it it appears that. He was all of his screen roles after 1938 were characters they put in a wheelchair because he had broken his hips and he never recovered the oh. ability to walk comfortably. You know, it's interesting because the, having that character in the wheelchair, so he's somewhat helpless. He needs he needs help. 
and you it almost in, contributes to the to the psychology of the man who needs to control everything you know and, and so this idea like the a man who's helpless who's responded to his helplessness by being controlling and acquiring and cruel and all these things um to overcome what he might see in himself as a weakness or a failing uh so I, it's interesting that that wasn't necessarily an artistic decision but it really contributed to the character. I, I I like that idea. There's also the imagery in the Bible of uh, being paralyzed uh, as um, being a slave to sin. Mm. Um, you have the man coming to Jesus through the roof who's paralyzed. And the first thing Jesus said to him is your sins are forgiven you. Not the obvious. Um, I'm going to heal you of your paralytic condition. Right. And then after he forgives his sins, he reveals that he's God by also saying, rise up and walk. And the man who was brought in attached to the pallet now can pick up the pallet and walk out. Right. Um, so you could take that even further, Dom, and say, you know, he's stuck to his his wheelchair. It, it, not that that's why he's can't walk because of sin, but a symbol of his slavery to sin is analogous to his slavery to that chair. That's a good point. That's a good analogy. So you mentioned I got it from the Bible. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> I thought you might have come up with it yourself. No, um, no, no. I mean, no, nothing, nothing's original. <laughs> so you mentioned the the scene. So we jump forward in time to George's uh, graduated from uh, high school. Um, in fact, it's a year. So actually, is it more than a year after high school? the The timing is a little, uh, little questionable. But it's nineteen twenty eight. Okay, so we've jumped it's nine years. It's been four years. Okay, uh, he's four years out of high school. That's right, right? Because all of his yeah, so that's they say all of his friends are graduating college, and he's just getting there. Which uh, right, he was working at the savings and loan. Yep. Um, and then and and then uh, how did it work? He was going to go off to college while his um, and then his brother would work there. But yes. that was as we see is going about to be put off. He was saving money for four years. To be able to go to college. Right. And um, he was going to spend the summer touring around, Europe. working on a cattle boat and touring Europe. Yeah. And um, his brother is graduating high school. Right. And so that's that night. It's, it's the night of the graduation dance. Uh, there is a great scene where we're introduced to uh, Ernie the driver, the taxi driver, and Bert the cop. Uh, by the way, uh, Sesame Street says it is a coincidence that. <laughs> It, they aren't actually characters are not named after these characters um, that it's just a coincidence. So there was like an that's an official Sesame Street response. So, you know, take for what you will. But uh, they they see they're outside with George. He's just gotten the big uh, travel valise that Mr. Gower got him for a present. And um, he's with Ernie and Bert and they see Violet and, you know, howdy, George, you know, that whole thing. And I love Bert's I got to go home to my family. <laughs> no, no, not family. Got to go home and see what the wife is doing. Like, <laughs> family man. That's what that, it was. Yes, that is. And, you know, that's not bad for uh, Bert. I give him credit for that because uh, that's a man who's like, you know, I better go see what the wife is doing. <laughs> and, they, and they had a very kind of like 1940s movie response as, there's nothing's obvious, but they're all looking and some somebody says, are you thin? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or they'll just are nod their head and <laughs> yeah, smile. Yeah. They don't know. We don't need to say any horrible things. And, we and all the old, know. Yeah. <laughs> the old guy crossing the street who turns to look and gets honked at, you know, by the car, you know, that, <laughs> yeah. I, that's a very funny scene. I only wear this dress when I don't care how I look. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, Violet is 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 a, is Violet. a <laughs> So it's the night of the graduation dance. It's Harry's graduation. Like we mentioned, George is leaving for the round the world journey or year on Europe journey the next day. Um, George plans to become an architect and engineer. He wants to do something big and important. He build wants to things. build things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but his father points out at the dinner table that they're doing something important by providing shelter to regular families. And this is another important theme of this movie, which is that you don't have to do big things as the world sees them in order to do good or make an impact, but you can do important things that are small. And I think that's another great theme in this movie. Y'all are going to make me bring up St. Teresa Lisieux. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to bring up a little you do far. It. it was our plan yeah. from the beginning. <laughs> no, I, when you said that, I hadn't made the connection until you were saying it. And I was like, oh, man, that's all St. Teresa right there. Yes. You know, doing she, small things. She never went anywhere. You know, I mean, she stayed in a convent, but did she's the patron saint of missionaries because she did. She prayed for them. She did big things in a in, in a small way. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I love that. Well. One of the things that struck me when, when George is talking to his father and they're talking about how Potter's sick in the soul and hates everybody that has anything he can't have. And then George t- is saying, I want to do big and important things. I don't want to be stuck in this small and small town shabby office. And he kind of looks at his father and I think, man. And when you were 12, you said he was the biggest man in town. Right. And now you're calling what he does small and shabby. And what a contrast there. You know, oh, I don't, you know, I don't know if it's everybody, but I know I was like this when I was a young man where I just I didn't want to get stuck in a day to day job, sitting at a desk, you know, doing the grind, going to work five days a week and coming home and, you know, doing it all again the next day. I did. I it wasn't going to be me. I was going to and never realizing that's what my dad did. And he did it every day and he did it to provide for us. You know, he, he didn't go out into the world and travel and footloose and fancy free. No, he, he provided for us every day going to his job. And there's something noble in that, you know, for, for a person, a man to provide for his family or a mother to, to provide for her family and take care of them. You know, there is something noble in that, you know, often thankless vocation, not just job, but vocation. And I, uh, so that is an interesting moment between him and his father. And one, I think one of the first seeds to eventually George coming around on this. And it's the last time he has with his father. Yes. You know, where he tells Mm -hmm. his father, he's a great guy and, um, forget the name of their maid, but she's like about time. One of you boys said it, (laughs) dad, I think you're a great guy. You know, and yeah. it's good that he got that chance to say that, you know, to tell his dad. And I think that was poignant. You know, I, I, he, I basically, I love you, dad. You're, you're awesome. And that's the last thing really he says to his dad before he goes off with uh, Harry is on the commission for decorating or whatever. And he's taking his mother's good China to the uh, big party, graduation party. And yep. George is like, I don't want to go with all these kids. But he goes to the party as well. And that's where the scene kind of moves off from the dinner table. Uh, to that interesting conversation where he gets this kind of like final advice, final words of wisdom from his dad. Uh, the the maid is played by Annie, by the way. The, the, or Wasn't the that her is, name? Her name, her name is Annie. Yeah, the, the actress is Lillian Randolph, but the uh, the character is Annie, um, who right. it was great. 
Um, Annie, that's right, Annie. Yeah, yeah. She I was, was saving all this to to, <laughs> to pay for my divorce if I ever sure. should get married. <laughs> what a character! <laughs> yeah. So I love the idea that so the school, the, the 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 local high school, has built a new building, a new gym, and they wanted a pool, and so they put a pool under the floor, and that it's George, some twenty two year old who designed came up with the idea of the retractable floor over the pool in the gym. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, I can never imagine that happening today. Like the, Oh yeah. Our, our 22 year old alumnus of this high school came up, you know, is, is, is coming up with the idea. It's a different time. <laughs> I can't imagine a high school having the money to put a retractable floor over their pool. And this is, it was the this 1920s. is set in 1945. <laughs> well, no, 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 this this wow. scene is in 1928. So this is the big is crazy. roaring 20s before yeah. the depression. This is like this is like Tony Stark stuff. I mean, this is <laughs> not, not, or whatever his father's name was. Well, you know, that's a real gym with a real pool underneath it. It's in Beverly Hills High School and it's still in use. And it appears in a 2000 movie called Whatever It Takes. And I I haven't seen it, but I read that they are repeating the the scene, the dance scene where the pool opens. So. But so, I love that scene. Yeah, it's a great scene, especially when the uh, the chaperone jumps in once the floor opens, you know. He's like, oh, what the heck? <laughs> oh. And do you know who the guy with is with, that opens the, yes. the floor? Yes. Did you read that? Alfalfa. Alfalfa. Yes. Yeah, I, he, I mean, he still looks like it. If he, even, if he had the little sprout of hair, it would, it would, it would have totally given it away. But yeah, it's the same. The, the, he, he's, uh, his name is, oh, I didn't, uh, I forgot. Carl what Switzer. Carl Switzer, who played Alfalfa in the original Little Rascals. So uh, yeah, that was mm-hmm. great. Um, and so and then we have this, another scene, all of this taking place on the same night. The scene with Mary. So he dances with Mary. He sees her for the first time. He's like, you've grown up. <laughs> you know, and uh, he dances with her. And uh, yes, uh, then, you know, they're all wet and they're walking home and she's wearing a robe and he's wearing a football uniform. And uh, they sing the song Buffalo Gals. Won't you come out tonight? He's flirting with her. They make a wish on the broken house. And he wishes, you know, to cast off the dust of this little uh you know, one stoplight town and see the world. <laughs> she makes a wish, but won't tell him what it is uh, because she says oh. that it won't come true. We know what it is, right? Mm-hmm. And all that, all that y'all were talking about Vi and, and everybody looking at Violet, this little conversation between George and Mary walking home is so cute. Yes. I mean, I, it, it's so romantic. What do you want, Mary? Do you want the moon? I'll lasso it. And we're, all the girls are just like, oh. And you'll swallow it and it'll dissolve, see? Why don't you kiss her instead of talking to her to death? Yes, I love <laughs> What? Uh, I can, you barely understand the guy. I am yeah. putting the subtitles on. Why don't you kiss her instead so, of talking to her to death? So if, like, if, oh my. Any, if any men are listening, <laughs> yes, this is a good girls thing. like that kind of thing, that, that witty, cute. I don't know that they would want the bargaining for their robe if they were naked in the bush. I don't know that it's like that. I like the, that line, was, the, that, the line that the old guy says after he tells him, why don't you kiss her? He says, ah, youth is wasted on the wrong people. <laughs> that would be me. I'd be the one on the porch. <laughs> yeah. yep. Get off my lawn. <laughs> and and he's sitting there like, oh, you in the bushes. Uh, this is a very interesting proposition. Very interesting development. I, maybe I'll I call should the police. They'd be on my side. I loved it. I'll call. They're downtown. That's the <laughs> other direction. 
and, and you know, the, where would this, you know, would he, he probably would have given her the robe, but he, would, he probably would have got a kiss out of her. But then you <laughs> get that interruption. And then the, the you know, the, the car races up Uncle Billy and his brother and it's Pa. He's had a heart attack and he has to go. And like a lot of things in George's life, he has these, you know, all these moments that are interrupted by, you know, a tragedy or something that comes along to undermine him just as he's just he's about to get out. He's pulled back in, sort of like the Godfather, <laughs> and uh, so he gave up his trip to Europe when his father died, to in order to mm-hmm. to close out his affairs, and then has to give up college in order to save the building and loan because Potter wants to dissolve it. Now that you know Pa Bailey is gone, uh, we need to dissolve this thing because Potter wants people dependent on him and doesn't want them to be able to go to the building and loan. And so the board, there's this moment where George gives that speech, you know, yes. and it's a great speech. There's great speeches in this in this movie. Yeah. And mm-hmm. again, he gets closer and closer to Potter in the camera, you know, as he's as he's talking and he's moving in and and he's like, well, my father didn't think so, you know, yeah. and uh, uh, just he, he got it. Like, you know, I mean, he he only had, the, I don't know, a couple months later. I mean, he gave up his trip. He was on his way to college, so he hadn't right. gotten of everything. but. You know, he uh, you could see that he even though he wasn't going to wanted to be a part of it, he definitely saw the great value in it. He saw yeah. that his dad was bigger than Potter. Um, and, uh, you know, and that's where that speech came from. And just before we go off it, I just just rewind just real quick. Um, I follow I fall in love with Donna Reed every time they show her in that gym. Oh, yeah. Uh, with those big eyes. Um, she is just <laughs> beautiful, beautiful actress. Yes. That is just like, wow. Yeah, I would have totally forgot, you know, uh, <laughs> that she was 18 and I was 22, too. I'd be like, oh, why? I got to dance with her. Why don't you stop annoying people? And this was her first big role. This was her first starring role. Yeah. Wow. And uh, I, I want to say she came up in the credits right after uh, Jimmy Stewart. I can't mm-hmm. remember. Yeah, now, I think but. she was listed second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of those, and and just to recall, we didn't even say it that there was those great opening credits with a book. Oh you know, yeah, the oh, with hand, the pages and the they pages pull the pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah the great. the hand hand drawn. I like. I'm sorry this this speech real quick. Yes, I like that when George defends his father, he says his whole life he never thought of himself. Yes, and he died a much richer man than you. And I'm like, right. Wow, mm-hmm. this is the lesson that George himself is going to emulate and learn at the end of the, the movie. Whole rest of his life yep. to, to George Billy, the richest man in town. There's another part of the speech too. And this is a very important, we're gonna, why we're talking about this is very important. Potter criticizes giving loans because it makes the people starry eyed dreamers instead of thrifty working class. He has a disdain for anyone poorer than himself. But George says, these rabble you talk about doing most of the are are doing most of the paying and working and dying in this community. Is it too much to ask them to let ask to let them live and work and die in a couple of decent rooms and a bath? And really, I mean, if you want a like a, a short a, a nugget of how Catholics look at economics, I mean that's kind of a a big part of it. I mean this idea like. People are owed a decent place to live and it's a it's a human right, you know, and 
I really love that George, he's not so much defending the savings and loan as an institution as he's defending what it does, the the effect it has on the people. And that's really great because it's not about defending institutions. It's about defending the the, the good work that is being done. I really love that about this scene. Yeah, and it, and it goes right into his speech to the people when the when there's the run in the bank. Yes. You know that we all pool together so that so and so's house can be built uh with your money that is beginning interest well this you know and that's what we all agree to and and it's another catholic mentality of this uh working together as like the body of christ to help one another um right. to do this it's not communism it's but it is a community effort where everyone freely says we're all going to be a part of this together so that people when they're first starting up don't have to live in potter's slums Right. You know, while they're working and dying in this town, they, they can have a decent, you know, a decent home. Right. Exactly. So Harry waits four years for Harry to come back, uh, his brother Harry to come back from college uh, be, uh, to take over the building and loan for him. The, and yeah, they wouldn't agree with they wouldn't vote down Potter unless you know, he took over for his dad. So George yes. had to take over for his dad. Right. And once again, Harry has right. a better opportunity. He gets that job. You know, he gets married and gets a job with his wife's uh, dad's company. And George sacrifices once again for the happiness of others. You see that moment where he's crushed. And then he almost you can almost see physically Jimmy Stewart kind of push that down and put on the happy face and be joyful for his brother. I, I really love that acting in that moment where he really does a really good job of, of portraying the internal struggle of George. I really like that. Him and uncle Billy are picking him up at the train station and yep. George is thinking, okay, I'm, I'm off. I'm going to college. I'm going to build things. And first they're like, like you said, he's dumbstruck. Like you're married. I'm like, what are we saying? We're married. Congratulations. And then uh, <laughs> yeah. they, he talks about the, the job. Uh, is this the job in Buffalo? Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. And this job that he can have. And like you said, it's just kind of, you could see it on his face like, oh, no, I, I can't make him work at the building alone. You know, like right. opportunity, you know. Yeah. And she says, like, my dad think he has a great future, you know. And it's, uh, yeah, the, the begrudgingly doing the right thing, uh, you know. <laughs> But who just it's comes great. home from college with a wife? Yes, well, that well, was exactly my next question. <laughs> she gets off the train. Oh, huh, huh, Ruth Jake and Bailey, if you don't yeah. mind. You're like, wait, what? Who gets married without telling their family? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not even a telegram. It's 1932, guys. Come on. <laughs> I mean, Pick up the phone. <laughs> maybe, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe it had to happen. I don't know. We won't get there. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I also like, don't go there. Yeah, don't go there. So I also like George's thing. He says that uh, Uncle Bill which he says the three most exciting sounds in the world anchor chains airplane motors and train whistles although yep. i like uncle billy's as well breakfast is served lunch is served dinner is served <laughs> you know uncle billy reminds me along with lionel barrymore that i love these movies where people were born in the 1800s and the actor who plays uncle billy um thomas uh thomas mitchell was born during the civil war Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, think about it. The next time you're watching it, that guy was born during the Civil War. No, no, no. He was born Abraham. in 1892. 18, 1862. No, uh, that's the principal. 
the principal, the one who said, George, oh, I'm sorry, the principal. Idea. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He, he I was, was the oldest the cast member on this film. Oh, okay. and, yeah. Why did and I he look- died like four months after the film was released in January of 47. Aww. It premiered I'm- in 46, but it, it released which, to the general which, uh, public. What's his name? Oh, hold Harry on. Harry Holman. I got it. Mr. Yes. Partridge. Harry Holman. Yes. Um, I'm sorry. But- I must have clicked on the wrong guy. Okay. Harry yeah. Holman. But Uncle uh, Billy, but I kept thinking he looks so familiar to me. And yes. did, did you really realize who he is? Finally, he's Scarlett O'Hara's father in oh, Gone with the Wind. Okay. I, I kept saying, where do I know this guy from? It's been years <laughs> since I saw Gone with the Wind. So. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, and the, um, the speaking of Uncle Billy, they, they of course, they go home and celebrate. This is a big party. And Uncle Billy's <laughs> had a little too much to drink. And so there's this wonderful little scene where he's uh, uh, George is helping him on his way home. Here's your hat. You know, uh, he pulls it off his head and hands it to him. <laughs> Here's your hat. And then, uh, he walks off screen and you hear the crashing of the trash cans. And he's like, I'm all right. I'm all right. Which is one of my favorite. I do that all the time. If I trip over something <laughs> in the house, it's one of my dad things. I'm all right. <laughs> I'm all right. So. <laughs> totally unscripted, completely, um, ad libbed. Oh, because really? The crash that you hear was a, 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 an employee moving some props and he dropped them. Oh, and Jimmy Stewart cracks a smile and without missing a beat, the uncle Billy actor just does that line <laughs> that and they left awesome. it in there. That is great. <laughs> that is awesome. I love that. Um, yeah. I mean, my, ours is my wife will do the what's wrong with that is her line that yeah, yeah. loves to do when I, when I say something about you. What's wrong with that? The uh, speaking of Violet, uh, George has this encounter with Violet in the street uh, where he's, you know, he's sad. He's wandered off from the party and he's like, we can go and walk through the the uh, the the meadow with our bare feet and go up to the falls. And she's like, what? What are you talking about? And she's Violet is pretty, but not a romantic bone in her body. Like the whole like I'll grab the lasso the moon for you thing would never mm-hmm. occur. To her. She would never be work on her. She's just not interested in that. And that's why Mary is the right girl for George. I mean, this is clearly. And he wasn't he wasn't just strolling out there. His mother pushed him out the door. His mother sent him to go find Mary. And it's a really cute little um, chemistry between the two actors right there. And I looked it up and she played his mother in four different movies. Really? really? Wow. She wow. played Jimmy Stewart's mother in Of Human Hearts and Vivacious Lady, which came out in 38. She's the mom in Mrs. Smith Goes to Washington, 1939. Oh. And then here again in 1947. So all that chemistry is real between the two of them. They're, that whole oh, playful yeah. little little bit. That is nice. And, and there's something, I, I mean, it, it was for me and hearing that, you know, seeing how she did that. I think there's something about mothers and sons and like your mom kind of knows the girl for you. I know that you guys don't want to hear that if you're not married, <laughs> but I'm telling you for my wife, my, my mother, whenever I, I, I would, I would break up with the girl, whenever a girl would break up with me, um, <laughs> my mother would be like, you know, forget about them. Don't worry. You know, she wanted me to move on and get to better things and don't dwell and don't try to be friends with them. Cause that never works. And she knows. And you're always, you know, that was Sue. We had a brief breakup, uh, when we were dating and my mother was like, stay friends with her. She's really great. You know, she's a good friend for you. you know? <laughs> and uh, later on I looked at it like my mom knew, you know, she, she knew. 
Aww. Yeah. And so listen to your mom. Moms, no. Yes. Dads, <laughs> dads were clueless, but moms. No, no, no we don't have a clue. Yeah. We're, we're, uh, we don't you know, but you mentioned like, so George, he's, she sends him to go see Mary, but he doesn't go. He like, he, he turns and goes, and that's when he encounters Violet. And then we see him, he's like outside of Mary's house, walking back and forth. And he doesn't know why he's there. You know, it's sort of unconscious. And Mary's like yelling from the window. Are you picketing? (laughs) What are you protesting outside there? And and he's so boorish to her, you know, like he's just so mean in a way. And I think because we're supposed to say we're supposed to get this idea that subconsciously he knows that she is the thing that will anchor him to Bedford Falls, that she is the one thing that he would stay for. and. So doesn't want to stay and he doesn't want to stay and he's conflicted. He's got this conflict. Uh, I love that Mary's mom. She does not want her to be with George. Like she's, she's wrong. Like for me, that's what what the mother is wrong. Mothers don't know about their daughters, but they know about their son. Yes. Like (laughs) Sam, Sam Wainwright, Sam Wainwright's going to call. He's going to call from New York. And like when he, you notice when he calls, he's got a girl hanging on his arm. Yeah, he's not he's not calling like to be because he's interested in Mary, you know, uh, or maybe he is and he's just a, a cad. I don't know, but uh, but I didn't get that sense. I thought he just no. wasn't interested. Uh, so it's a lot of it's it's fun. So George is boorish to Mary. Sam's on the phone. Um, offers he offers George a job, which is interesting. Um, and then George. He doesn't want to get married because he wants to be free to travel, even though his heart tells him to be with Mary. And that's that conflict there. So I just thought it was an interesting. Um, and But in the end, he follows his heart. Best I don't want to scene. eat ground floors or plastics. <laughs> yeah. Best scene in the whole movie. If, yeah. if you told me I could only watch one scene out of this whole movie, that's the scene I would turn into. The whole the way he, he he's grabs her so close to her. I mean. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so so I read this. This was really cool. Jimmy Stewart had this is the first movie he made after serving in World War Two. Yes. And so he's come back and he's super nervous about this scene and this on screen kiss. It's his first on screen kiss scene. And they ran this um, unrehearsed in one take. And it worked so beautifully. And not only did it work so well, they had to cut part of the embrace because it was too passionate to pass the censors <laughs> to be played in the theater. Wow. And there is something so powerful about the way he's standing so close to her. And yet they're not touching. And his his nose is kind of in her hair. And she, he's, you know, you could see them both breathing and they're both so aware of each other. So near. Is this There's when they're on the phone, spark. like talking? Yes. To, yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. sharing their mothers on the extension. We can share. We can both hear. <laughs> and, and they've got their heads together and he's so distracted. Tell him it's the chance of a lifetime. He says, it's the chance of a lifetime. And he's like, I don't want any of this. I don't want it. And then he's finally just gives in. It's just this overwhelming moment. And he just kisses her and, and she, they're crying. And the mother's, Oh my gosh. This is really good that we had a woman here with us down to, uh, yes. oh, my you know, goodness. We really blew, blew up this yes. part. I mean, can you imagine a movie today saying anything was too passionate for the film? <laughs> well, this, restraint, restraint is good. You know, having to tell a story with restraint. We need more movies like this one where yeah. th- it's all hinted at and, and there's that suspense and that that hovering, lingering build up. 
Yes. But it, but it wasn't the, the, the it wasn't sexual passion. It was Mm-mm. it was love. It was yes. it was desire to to give yourself to. I mean, you know, the the he's talking about the chance of a lifetime in plastics and the chance of a lifetime that she's really talking about or that's being hinted at is yes. the two of them and get and, married, have a know, family. Yeah, yeah. This is <laughs> yeah. It's life. Just, it's, it's a great scene. life. <laughs> right, right. Life is the is the is the yeah. great chance that he's got. Um, so I still that, got chills. So, so then we get we cut to the wedding, the wedding day. It's pouring out. Um, there's a there's a. It's in the middle. It's in the depression, right? And during the depression, they had these things called bank runs, where people would get would hear that something was wrong with their local bank, and so everyone would go to the bank and withdraw their money, and that would cause the bank to collapse because banks didn't carry all the deposits in the vault. They loaned it out, which is which we hear from from uh, uh, George in a bit. Uh, so uh, the banks would fail and then someone would have to, you know, cover all of the bank's withdrawals and they wouldn't usually end up getting control of the bank. And that was because we didn't have the FDIC back then, the Federal Deposit Insurance yeah, I was Company. about to say, but yeah. that's why we have FDIC today. <laughs> right. Because so that, of a, it's a wonderful life. <laughs> no, because of the bank runs I in the nineteen thirty. <laughs> so, and that's how Potter gets, got Silly. control of the bank. So, um, there's a bank run as they're driving to the to the train station to take him away on their honeymoon, um, and you know there's a crowd at the building and loan, and George goes, and we have this great scene where George is trying to tell people, look, you know, um, you can't just come and take all the money out because. Your money, you know, your money is in his house. We've loaned it so we could build that, and um, that's when Mary comes with a big wad of cash because that's how people traveled. With, <laughs> with what was it? Two thousand checks. Yeah, two thousand dollars. And, and and don't skip over the brief moment of happiness from like he just got married, and I don't know how fast, how many days passed, but they went from the passionate kiss over the extension to. Oh, you know, and his her Mary's mother's crying you know, yeah, at the but, wedding. Yes, like, you know, that she lost out at Sam Wainwright. Yes, and they are in the rain in the taxi, and him and Mary are just kissing and in bliss and champagne and caviar and the, the you know the best wife and the best champagne and and everything's going to be wonderful and it lasts for all of you know two minutes. Right, and then it's the oh George, don't go inside. Let's just keep going. Right. And yet she's the one that brings the cash in. She wants to bring the cash in. You know, and she's and it's it's so it's so evident that she's the right person for him, you know, because here she's doing the right thing. Yes. Even at at the cost. Supporting him in that. Mm -hmm. There's a great you can see a quote on the wall of of George's office at the Savings and Loan um, from his dad, Peter Bailey, uh, which says, all you can take with you is that which you've given away. You know, and 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 that's the thing that impels George. You know that you know all that in, that is important in life is that which you have done and given to others. Uh, I mean, again, and what could be a more Christ, Christian response to the world than that? Um, but you know, Mary, she leaves George there. They have to stay, keep the savings and loan open until uh, regular closing time. They've got two dollars left. <laughs> Mama dollar and papa dollar. Yes, and they're going to make baby dollars. At which point someone says, uh, aren't you I married? I wish they were rabbits. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> well, also someone says, aren't you married? Uh, Mrs. Bailey's on the phone. Mrs. Bailey, what? tell her to talk to Uncle Billy. No, no, Mrs. Bailey, <laughs> your wife. Um, and that's when they take him uh, 
to the honeymoon at the old Granville house, which is still uh, a falling down decrepit house, which they've made up into uh, a honeymoon suite. I mean, talk about an amazing transformation. Uh, best friends ever, uh, Ernie and Bird, and then uh, Mary uh, getting it ready. And uh, they, they're they singing outside uh, the 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 windows. I love you truly. Uh, all that. Um and, and Mary really is the ideal supportive spouse. I mean, she really, from here on out, she supports George at every turn. She's there for him. Um, I mean, it's such a, a great marriage example, you know, to see this. I really, it's really inspiring to see. She's there to receive him every time he needs her. Yes. You know, whatever the great difficulties and she's there and she's giving back like, you know, well, when we get to like when she's first pregnant, you know, that focus his whole life on something else rather than what he just lost. But and we also have when they come into the house, you know, the the, the real memorable thing is that she's got the record player. That's also um, turning the rotisserie. <laughs> being the rotisserie yes. for the chickens she's, he's got. So I don't know. She maybe she didn't quite give him two thousand dollars because she had enough money to buy a couple of chickens. But uh, the double take he does at the the, the honeymoon suite in yes. the bed, he's like, he's like, whoa, that's all we get. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was good. And uh, Ernie with the hat and uh, pouring the water <laughs> onto his hand. Uh, uh, onto his hand. Beautiful. For the tip. That I mean, was great. <laughs> a couple of classic actors working that out just wonderfully the way they yep. did that. So then we, we move forward in time again. George now um, has moved from just having a savings and loan. He's founded, uh, well, what was it uh, called? The uh, uh, Bailey, Bailey Park. Bailey Park, a place for people to get out of Potter's slums and the Potterville slums. And uh, Giuseppe Martini gets his new home and uh, they, they're loading them up. The whole family, five kids and a goat. <laughs> Classic Italian family, right? Yeah. And they, they load them up in the in the truck and they get all their stuff and they get them over to their new house. And uh, the, I love the blessing that Mary gives as they come to the new house. Welcome home. And she gives them a loaf of bread, bread that this house may never know hunger, salt that life may always have flavor, and wine that joy and prosperity may reign forever. What a what an awesome saying! Everyone, every realtor should say that and should do this, <laughs> reenact this when they sell a house, right? Yeah, yes, they should absolutely. sell little like loaves of bread with some salt and wine and a little package, yeah, on Christmas time <laughs> for for people to give, you know, and a little St. Joseph statue. To, uh, to sell your old house, you know, it could be all. It's a it's great a, marketing idea. Hang on, I, hang on. With that, yeah, that might be on Etsy later. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was my idea for those of you listening and thinking you're going to put that together. But it's a, it's such a great a great moment, and then that's when Sam Wainwright pulls up in a limousine. By yeah, the everything's way. going great, and then Sam shows up. <laughs> you know, Sam constantly reminding Harry unintentionally, not not out, outright, but reminding uh, not Harry, but George of all the things he hasn't attained. Um, and, you know, they offered to travel with him down to Florida. They were driving to Florida from, from New York, which is uh, something, uh, <laughs> especially in the, in the 1930s, that would, that would not be mm. a fast trip. Um, but uh, Potter, meanwhile, he sees the good that George is doing. Right. And he decides I'm going to, I, I have a new tactic to defeat him, which is to buy him, to buy him out. And he decides to give him, instead of the stick, the carrot, which is a temptation in the desert moment, right? Um, Potter identifies all of George's weaknesses, including 
his visceral dislike of the building and loan, right? And is wanting to travel. And he, he gives him an offer of a job and offers him $20,000 a year, which I looked it up uh, after all mm-hmm. the government caused inflation. It would be $430,000 a year right now, today in today's yeah. money. That's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> and when you consider he was making about 51000 Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, the I did the same 50, thing. I looked yeah. up the. I was looking it up. If he makes forty five a week, that's <laughs> yeah. twenty three forty a year, which in two thousand twenty two dollars is fifty one k. Right. I was like, wow. And oh. he's he's ready to take it, right? He and mm-hmm. he goes to shake Potter's hand, and it's it's clammy, you know. Mm. It's he like even wipes his hand off, you know, and that wakes him up because he it I don't know it's something about it tells him Potter's is really this spider in the middle of his web or whatever it is, you know, um, I, I, it's such a, a great scene because George is, he's almost does it. He almost takes it and you almost want him to George, you deserve <laughs> it. You know, um, I, I know I want him to get the, the salary, but I don't want him to work for Potter. But he yeah, does and, and, and he's right like, I don't have, to, he's thinking, I got to think about it. Talk to me. Yeah, go home, talk to your wife, you know? And, yeah. uh, and it's it's a it's a it's a garden uh you know with the apple or fruit you know and, yep. and snake thing too it's just like you know take this and you know everything will be great and and he uh, like you said you, you uh, he almost does it and you can see all the temptations of the world are right there right everything you know everything that sam wainwright has that he wants that he wishes he could offer are right there and he um you know, and, and then he just suddenly realizes who it is that's offering this to him. And he wants to get his hands on everything and control everything. Right. And he, what, it, it comes with a price. Yeah. Yes. A that price, price he will not pay. That price, no. Now, for mm-hmm. once, bad news in George's life is followed by good news, which he goes home. And this is when Mary tells him that she's pregnant. That the stork yeah. is coming, right? You know, but uh, it's so cute. George Lasso stork. Yes. <laughs> why'd you why'd you want to why in the world would you marry a guy like me well didn't want to become an old maid and then but yeah me blah 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 well i want my baby to look like you and he's like wait what what <laughs> mary are you on the nest <laughs> that's it mary are you on the nest cute. george lasso stork i love yep. the euphemisms and the cute, oh, the cute stuff around it it's really great um so, How could anyone not like this movie? I know, I know. <laughs> so this is now we get to World War II, and we get this uh, little montage of how everyone is dealing with World War II. Ma Bailey and Mrs. Hatch join the Red Cross. Mary runs the USO. Sam Wainwright gets more rich off of plastic for planes. <laughs> uh, Potter heads the draft board, of course. Uh, <laughs> Bert is wounded 1A. in North. Yeah, one. Bert is wounded in North Africa. Ernie parachutes into France, and Harry wins the Medal of Honor, of course. Um, VE Day, they wept and prayed. VJ Day, they wept and prayed, and we see people praying in church. You know, like the, mm-hmm. yes. Um, and that brings us to Christmas, nineteen forty-five, and that brings us to the present day of the movie. And the, there's a bank examiner at the building and loan and Uncle Billy loses the day's deposit because <laughs> Uncle Billy, Uncle Billy is like would have been diagnosed ADHD or something today. You know, <laughs> he he makes that fatal flaw of stopping to rub it into Potter. Yes, don't. Uh, that's right. He that's he, he did the wrong thing there. If he had mm-hmm. done the right thing, this wouldn't have happened. He, but he did the wrong thing, and that's 
it's a pretty big he, deal. He got distracted and he's, oh, look at the newspaper. Oh, can't keep those Bailey boys down, can you? <laughs> yes. And he folds it up and hands it back. And there's the money in the newspaper. And it was very good acting. I mean, very good. You know, you believed it. And the first time you see it, you watch this movie, you don't necessarily see it getting in there. But you, you if you watch, you can see how he ends up doing that. And yeah, it's pretty well. And of course, Potter steal, is stealing, right? He's stealing that money. It is not his. It's a crime. Um, and then meanwhile, George is writing a character reference for Violet. That's what's going on with her. And lends her some money. but. She gives him a kiss to thank him and they come out of the office and she wipes lipstick off his face. It looks bad. And so there's, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, things piling up here. And then so George finds out that Uncle Billy has lost the money. They spend the rest of the day. Right. It's hours that we that they're trying to retrace Uncle Billy's steps. He, he yells at Uncle Billy because he knows mm-hmm. This is bad. This is go to jail bad. This is um, the ruin the rest of your life. Scandal and in prison. In prison. Yes. Okay. I'm, right. I'm not going down with you, you old fool. Think. Yeah. He's I've never seen deep. him like this before. I mean, yeah. it's almost scary how desperate he becomes. Because we have to believe that moment on the bridge. We have to believe that George has been pushed to the edge, to, to the his final straw. And um, George goes home and he gets upset. He yells at Mary, yells at the kids. He yells at Zeus's teacher on the phone. <laughs> oh, man. We got a teacher who sends a kid home half naked. It's a little extreme, don't you think? <laughs> he busts up his models because he's been yeah. he built, you know, architectural models. And he ends up storming out. And that's where we get that moment where um, the, the, the daughter says, should I pray for daddy? Yes, pray hard, pray very hard. You know, and, and that's, you know, uh, that's where we get this moment. And um, George first, before he goes to the bridge, he's desperate enough to go to Potter for help. And that's just how desperate he is. And um, do you notice he says he misplaced $8,000? Doesn't blame it on Uncle Billy. It's mm-hmm. his mistake. He he owns it again, you know? And, and, and Potter, I think, doesn't Potter even say you did? Yeah, yeah. Potter's like, yeah. all over his face when when he says that. Yes, yeah. and that's when Potter tells him, you know, because he's like, "What do you got for collateral? I got this little life insurance policy. It's only got a couple hundred dollars in equity." And this is when Potter tells him, "You're worth more dead than alive." He's missing eight thousand dollars, and the life insurance pays out fifteen. Right, and and Satan is means accuser of the brethren, and he is uh, Satan wants you to commit mortal sin and die. That's yes. that's his whole thing. And Potter's like, accuse you, look what you've done, George, even though he knows that George even didn't do it. And you might as well die. Right. Uh, it's very diabolical. It's yeah. very diabolical. Yeah. He rubs it in in all the right places, too. He pushes all the buttons. Oh, that's what the reporters were doing here. And the, the men from the district attorney's office and the bank and, examiner and all that. And what I'm going to do is as a board as a board member, I'm going to swear out a warrant for your arrest for all these things. And, mm-hmm. uh, and he really pushes George to that breaking point. And he but he tells him, why don't you go to that riffraff that you that you love and ask them for money? And that's the thing that George should have done. Like George should have had faith in the people that he's helped in that sense. So that's the thing that he hasn't done that Mary does for him. 
And that's that's the thing that because even because, again, Potter has no faith in them, has no regard for them at all. But they're the ones who save the day. Uh, So Harry goes to Martini's bar and he prays for help. He's praying for God to help him. And instead, what he gets is uh, a bust busted in the mouth by the husband of the teacher who apparently for praying. Yeah, apparently (laughs) um, for when he couldn't defend his wife's honor, she's probably mad. He went out to drink at the bar or something. I'm not sure what he was doing there. On Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. Yeah. (laughs) So so, um, Harry runs out into the night and goes to the bridge, crashes his car, right? Crashes into the tree. Um, And just as George is about to throw himself off the bridge to kill himself, that's when Clarence shows up and falls in the river. And George, once again, his deep instinct is to save somebody else, right? Even at this Mm -hmm. moment of despair, He's he's uh, saved someone else, and he and they they get rescued by the uh, the toll booth keeper, you know the 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 bridge guy, and they're in there warming up, and he he utters that fateful phrase, "I wish I'd never been born," you know, mm-hmm. and that's that's gives Clarence the idea to show him, um, and then we get the uh, the alternate world that 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 Clarence shows him. Uh, he's, by the way, t- uh, Clarence has got the uh, Tom Sawyer book, which will be mm-hmm. important. And he says he's he's an AS2 <laughs> angel second class and the toll booth guy falls off the chair and runs out the door. Yeah, but but, you know, it's it's there's a silly simpleness of a horrible phrase. I'm sorry, but yeah. to his simplicity, to his I'm going to dive in. So George will help me instead of where, you know, it's the way to get George uh, off of his despair is to get him to love. It's really classic psychology of if if you are depressed, you need to get out and start helping people. And that that fills you with the joy of of purpose of life. Um, And and he breaks George from his self-loathing by giving him someone to help. And um, it just, you know, it reminds me of St. Francis who would say, you know, don't worry about begging. You're giving people the opportunity to be holy by giving to the poor, you know, and stuff like that. But it was just, it it seems silly. Like what what a dumb thing to do to risk your life so that someone else can save you from drowning. Uh, That's weird. But at the, no, it's, it's, it was beautiful. It was just yes. beautiful, simple of someone who isn't has the mind of a rabbit, but is <laughs> has so full of wisdom because of his great love that he would know this will instantly take care of this problem here. And then right. we'll move on from there. How would I convince George not to try it again? Well, frankly, simplicity is probably more wisdom in it than uh, all the great intellects. Frankly, exactly. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, so now he's, he gets his wish. He gets to see a rare gift, as Clarence says, to see the world as it would have been if, had he never been born. And so Martini's is now Nick's. And now it's a, a hopping bar that seems a little a little fun, actually. It was kind of <laughs> I mean, it, it seemed kind of fun. But uh, uh, when they get when they get thrown out, uh, I love Nick's line. Out, you two pixies go through the door or out the window. <laughs> another line that i quote very often when i'm trying to get the kids to, out the door to go to church or something you know, out you two pixies go through the door or out the window uh, yeah, listen we serve hard liquor here and not <laughs> yeah hard liquor for hard men <laughs> what do you, give me a, what you, a flaming rum punch yes oh okay what? a sarsaparilla <laughs> and make it snappy <laughs> And Mr. Gower comes in and Mr. Gower is a a convict who's like homeless and basically considered a loser everybody because he killed a kid 
Yes. Um, so because an example years. with George wasn't there to, yep. to stop him. Yeah. 20 yeah, years. There's a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and he went back to get his car and Bedford Falls is now Pottersville. And we don't even know what happened to Martini, do we? No, we Martini don't. Martini is like nowhere to be found, which is another tragedy. Like, why, well, why does a Martini own the place? Probably because he never got out of the slums in order to build himself up. You know, he's probably was stuck in the slums paying ridiculous rent, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Bedford Falls is all nightclubs and dance halls, which, you know, <laughs> girls, like, girls, girls. Yeah. seems like a fun place. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically uh, Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Bert tries to arrest George, by the way, uh, but Clarence bites him and then disappears when Cla- Bert tries to arrest him like that. Um, yeah, Joseph, help, help, Joseph. <laughs> I uh, liked that. <laughs> yep. Um, oh, and Ernie, the cab driver, didn't know him. Yes. And his wife had taken him. the kid and left. That's right. And Mary's fate was worst of all. She was an old maid and a librarian. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, my Always gosh, the, the horror. <laughs> yep. And she doesn't wear makeup. She's not very pretty at all. You know, yeah, she I mean, has glasses. Yeah, oh, glasses. Surprise. Her eyes yeah. failed her. Every woman, every woman, that if you want to change the way she looks, you, you take away a little of the makeup, you put glasses on, you put her Pull hair, her hair back, you know, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll ruin everything. Yep. Um, and Ma Bailey, Ma Bailey runs a boarding house. Right. And she's hard. You know, she's not nice she, at all. She yeah. lost her only child. Yep. And then when her husband dies, her brother-in-law loses the business and goes to the insane Dane asylum. asylum. Yep. And yeah. George runs to Bailey Park. It's Potter's Fields. The cemetery is there. He finds his, his brother's tombstone. Brother yep. Mm-hmm. Violet's and, uh, going to jail. Yep. Harry yep. Bailey died when he broke through the ice. Every man on that transport died because Harry wasn't there to save them because you weren't there to save Harry. Yes. You've had a wonderful life, George. Each man's life touches so many other lives. And when he's gone, he leaves a hole. And it's, I mean, that is, if, if, if nothing else, that's the story. That's the theme of this movie, which is our lives, no matter how unimportant we think it is, but not just our lives, the lives of everyone we meet are important. All these people. And if any of those people were to be gone, they would leave a hole and it would change everything. And that's an important lesson to take away from it. It's, I mean, it's, it's easy to make this about ourselves. You know, like, well, if I weren't here, well, all the bad things that would have been happened to the people I love, but also everyone we meet, everyone we know, they're important. <laughs> it's a, it's a vast web. We are in, interconnected and you pull out, you pull on one thread to change, to make some metaphors, you pull on one thread and it all unravels. And I think that's really the great message of this movie. Um, and I think why it makes it a, Christmas movie, right? Mm-hmm. Because ultimately that Christmas is a, is a a movie about the importance of of life and redemption and the uh forgiveness of sins and and all of that and the importance of 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 each person that Christ would have would have been born and died for every single person. I love that that aspect of this. Mm-hmm. And the sacrificial nature like you pointed out in the beginning Tom of everything yep. that cost George that was worth it. I mean, it was it was worth the cost right. to save his brother, to lose his hearing, to get the beating from Mr. Gower to make sure that Mr. Gower didn't get in trouble. He was just as worried about Mr. Gower getting in trouble. Don't worry, I won't tell anybody. Right. I know you're yeah. upset about your son dying. I won't tell anybody. So you compassionate. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
and even getting beaten. Please don't hit my sore ear anymore. I mean, you feel so bad for the kid. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've every, and it just goes on and on. Losing the $2,000, no honeymoon. Losing the, uh, the money uh, to go to college. Uh, Harry goes, losing out and going to college again because Harry got a job in the estate. And just over and over, losing his father. All these things that he loses, but he gains so much, and he's the richest man in town. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, also, we don't always know who or how we influence or impact others. And do we impact them in a positive way or in a negative way? Right. So. Yep. You know, I, I read that somewhere that that scene on the bridge where Harry, where George is is having this desperate moment that Jimmy Stewart was really pulling on the trauma that he suffered during World War Two, the trauma he he encountered as a, a, a bomber pilot, um, you know, and those bomber pilots. They, we lost so many of those crews. It was attrition, a war of attrition. And the fact that he came back was itself an act of God, really. Every single one of them. And so he was really pulling on those feelings, that that, that trauma in, in that moment. Um, and so he stands there when he goes back to the bridge. Please, God, let me live again. I want to live. I want to live. And he's had this moment of conversion. Uh, and, and that's when Bert uh, shows up. and. Uh, and he's like, I'll sock you again, Bert. <laughs> and, and, and of course the snow, it started snowing again, which, yes. you know, gave us that the great wind that came, uh, a little Pentecost moment when, when the, the, the dream world started and parents right. like, you have to make that big a deal about it. You know, <laughs> and then the snow stops and then it starts up again. Uh, it's Christmas time again. Uh, the minute the he says world. the word God. Yes. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Please. God. And it comes back. And wasn't there another, um, you know, he drew on something when he, during the prayer scene in the bar too, um, you know, like I'm not a praying man, you know, uh, but right. if there's something it, it, that, that was a really powerful uh, moment um, where he's just, you know, he has his fists up to his face and he's just rubbing and, and, and it's just extremely believable right. um, and well done. Uh, the, the depth of yeah. that prayer. He says, I'm not a praying man, but if you're up there and can hear me, show me the way I'm at the end of my rope. Show me the way God. Right. Yeah. And, you know, after that transformation at the end, after he's given the back, he, he, at first, he has no expectation that, it, that his fate is going to, has changed. The fact that, you know, he's going to be arrested and go to jail and lose his family. And <laughs> I know business. I'm going to jail. Isn't that <laughs> <Yes>. great? <laughs> but he, but it's just his perspective has changed. He's alive and life is worth living regardless. But he, but this is when he, he reaps the benefits of a lifetime of sacrifice and goodwill toward his fellow man, right? This is when George is in need, the people come out for him when, cause he's been there for everyone. You know, I really had a George Bailey moment myself last year when my, I had a, a house disaster, you know, my, uh, we had a plumbing water everywhere. My family oh, was out of our house for, uh, for two months and insurance covered part of it, but not all of it. And we didn't know what we were going to do. And a friend set up a GoFundMe for us. And people came from, from literally around the world were giving us money, strangers, you know, people who listen to the podcast, that sort of thing. And it was, it was the most wonderful feeling I, like I felt embarrassed because I'm like I, I, you know, taking charity, but it was a wonderful feeling to. It felt like love that 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 sense of being taken care of, that people regarded you and wanted to help you and help your family, uh, and 
that's that's what I see in this moment of this of this movie. Um, it's not just the story of a man who gives his all, but also of family and a community that appreciates and loves him. And it's also a story of how the unsung heroes among us are crucial linchpins of a community. Because, you know, who else in Bedford Falls would it have been a disaster to be without? You know, Mary, Peter Bailey. There's lots of people in this movie that if any of them had been removed from that, like like George had, it would have been a different, it also would have been a bad thing. So I really love those aspects of this. Yeah. Um, so uh, I like Harry's toast at the end to, to my big brother, George, the richest man in town. Right. Uh, it's a, it's a great, a great line there. Um, and also no man is the, the inscription in the book that uh, the, the, the Tom Sawyer book, that Clarence leaves for him. No man is a failure who has friends. And really Potter has no friends, right? He has people who work for him, but no friends. And then we have the bell ringing. The bell Teacher ringing. says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That's right. That's right. He gets and he gets the book back signed by Clarence. Mm. And, and and he kisses the the knob uh, you know, that he yes. that was his bane of existence. Like the, 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 it's, it's, it doesn't work. It's you know it burns him as alive. And, and this this movie uh, is uh, reminds me of the scripture passage from um, John uh, thirteen, or excuse me, fifteen. John fifteen, beginning in verse ten. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you and greater love has no man than to lay down his life for his friend. Mm. And so you have, you know, his joy when he finally reaped the understanding of the fact that he had given his life in pieces away his whole life, that his joy was now full. Um, and, you know, and, and it didn't matter. It didn't matter that he might go to jail and he was broke. And it, what mattered is that um, his his life was full because uh, he had it. He had his life. That's right. That's good. Thank you. That's a, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, one last thing I, I wanted to mention was uh, there are a lot of bands called Zuzu's Pedals, apparently, <laughs> including there was one in Steubenville when I was there called Zuzu's Pedals. Aww. Oh, that's awesome. That's an awesome name. I did yeah. not know that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> apparently there's, there are several bands. I had a look. I was looking up like whatever happened to those guys. And apparently there's quite a number of bands called Zuzu's Pedals. So any uh, last thoughts on It's a Wonderful Life, uh, Shelley? No, it's it's my favorite Christmas movie. Mm. I mean, it, I, people are doing those uh, brackets. You know, this movie over that movie, this yeah. movie over that movie. My husband and I played one of those today. We were filling out a bracket and it came down to, I think, Miracle on 34th Street and It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. And I thought and I was like, nope, It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> and I I cry at the end of that movie every single time. Every time. I, I just tears just pop in my eyes. I can't explain it. So yeah. It's fantastic. Yep. Yeah, it's great. I mean, all those people bring all that money and Sam Rainwright gives him more than he needs. Right. And, you know, anyway, you know, up to $10,000, I think. And all, uh, all of that. And, um, and uncle Billy died in 1962. That's why I thought he was born. I Mm. looked at the wrong date, his death Uh. date. So that's why I'm like, wow, civil war. So yeah, my mistake, but, 
Yeah, um, I it was well worth discovering later in life when I was almost <laughs> 30 years old. Um, and it's second only to A Christmas Carol with George C. Scott for me. That's, that's oh, uh, yeah. deeply what my, my favorite Christmas movie, but It's a Wonderful Life is definitely second. And I just love that it is really um, the ultimate pro-life movie. It doesn't get any more pro-life than that. Yep. Shelley, last thought? Oh, I wanted to say that surprisingly this movie was considered a box office flop yeah this movie did not take in the same amount of money it cost to make it it was a three 3.7 million to make and it only took in 3.3 it was nominated for five oscars it lost all five of them to another movie called the best years of our lives and i think that like so many other good movies that we love today coming out on television and being able to be reintroduced year after year in this way has, has made it such um, one of the greatest movies of all time and mm-hmm. one of the most inspirational movies of all time. So I don't know if you've ever done a podcast on this, Don, but the rewatchability of movies, mm. this is one of those movies where, I mean, it's not like star Wars, all these great action scenes or, Oh, that was really cool or stunts. But every time a scene comes up, you're like, Oh yeah, this now. Okay. I want to watch yep. this again. This is good. You know, there's not one scene you're like, oh, we got to get through this, this stupid scene. No, they're all like fun to watch, fun to see the acting, you know, and it's just black and white and people. There's, there's nothing spectacular about it, but it's just so well done. It's perfect. And every scene is just so much fun to watch yeah. again. It's perfect. Movie. Evergreen. Yeah. Um, we did a episode. We did an episode of this podcast back in 2018. This, the Secrets of Christmas Movies, where we mm-hmm. talked about this and a lot of other Christmas movies. Uh, we we did last year, we did a sequence of Christmas TV specials, um, but uh, I really wanted to talk about It's a Wonderful Life because this is my favorite Christmas movie. It's one of my favorite movies, period. I, I watch it, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's my favorite Christmas movie, too. And um, I mean, I have others like I, I love um, White Christmas and I love, you know, A Christmas Carol, um, uh, you know, several different versions, the Muppet one, the Georgie Scott one, the. Uh, Oh, what's his name? The one, the singing one, the musical uh, with, um, never mind. but mm-hmm. whoever it was, but this one, I'll just, I'll always stop and watch this. This is the one. And uh, it's a, it's a great, I was going to say it's a wonderful movie. It's a great movie. And it, and it only became greater for me as I became a father and a husband and, you know, a provider. And I can really see what a difference George's life makes. So, it's a, I'm really, I'm glad we got a chance to talk about that. Uh, finally, we talked about it now on this episode. Yeah. I'm uh, blessed to be a part of it. This was awesome. So let's wrap things up. We want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of movies and TV shows, including Marguerite K, Nicole H, Denise I, Joseph L and Luis D. Their generous tax deductible donations at sqpn.com slash give Make it possible for us to continue the secrets of movies and TV shows and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And uh, just want to remind you, as we're approaching the end of the year, uh, StarQuest is a 501c3 tax deductible organization. So uh, <laughs> just uh, for your end of year gift giving uh, sort of thing, your, your charitable giving. So that's it from us. We'd love to hear your thoughts on It's a Wonderful Life and anything we've said about it. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash secrets or the StarQuest Facebook page. Send an email to secrets at sqpn.com. 
Join the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. And until next time, Shelly Kelly, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of It's a Wonderful Life. Thank you for the invitation. And Mike Denz, thank you as well. Hee-haw. <laughs> and once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of movies and TV shows on StarQuest. And Merry Christmas, everybody. Hi, everyone. This is Dom Bettinelli, CEO of StarQuest, with a special message as we approach the Christmas season. This past year, the StarQuest Network has continued to expand our mission of exploring the intersection of faith and pop culture through our many entertaining and informative programs. Now we need your generous financial support to keep producing the shows you love and to reach new audiences with more of the life-changing and uplifting programming we've been creating for more than a decade. That's why it's very important that we hear from you this Advent and Christmas, the time when nonprofits receive most of their support for the year. If you are already a supporter of StarQuest, we thank you and ask you to prayerfully consider increasing your support at this time. If you're not yet a supporter, please become one now. Every gift counts. Could you give $15 or even just $10 per month? Whatever level of support you can offer, please show your support for SQPN this Christmas. And remember that your gifts are tax deductible. Just go to sqpn.com slash give. That's sqpn.com slash give. May God bless you this Advent and may you have a blessed Christmas season.